0: guy when it comes to a mic in my hand, you know, but um, like I said earlier, um, my father was a pastor, I have three brothers who are pastors, and they all preach, and when they preach, they preach, I mean, they preach, and I know this guy over here, Pastor Phil, and um, he's a preacher, I still remember the message you preached, the last time I heard you preach, you were talking about the the founding fathers, and and the belief in Christ, and uh, it's still up in here, I mean. And that, that's a mark of a good preacher, right? You remember. And um, so I'm kind of intimidated when someone says, Israel, you know, the last, the, the seventh of eight kids. Israel, you share a message and all the older brothers doing it. And you have never done it before. But I, I, like I said, you know, and if you have an opportunity to say something about Christ, you take it with both hands. And it doesn't matter if you're on a stage or you have a mic in your hand, you take that opportunity. And we all got opportunities. Every single day to share the gospel, and we need to do that, all right? We need to do that. I shared this morning, and I'm going to share it again. Um, I'm not going to stand up here and try to do a five-point message or something, you know, a a whole series or anything like that. I'm just going to share from my heart, you know, what the Lord has, um, has been doing in my life. And it all started off with my father, and you said it's Thanksgiving week. And let me say thank you. I always say thank you when I get the opportunity to speak in front of American people. And um, I, I get, if I get the opportunity, I'm going to say thank you. And this is why I say thank you for doing what you do for the gospel. Thank you so much. I think every country does their part for the gospel, how small or how large it might be. But what you guys did for the gospel touched me uh, as an individual. And uh, it, my father was a Hindu, and um, his fathers were all Hindus. And um, uh, the very first time my dad heard the gospel he was about seven or eight years old a little kid in the village um we had a group from michigan in the area and they were going around inviting people to go to vbs and my father went to vbs and he heard about uh about a guy named jesus who could calm the storm and that was the very first thing he heard about a guy very first time he heard about a guy named jesus and um Later on in his life, you know, not having a church to go to, he didn't follow, um, you know, Jesus Christ during his years. But he ran away from home one day because he couldn't take his mom and dad fighting every day. And he couldn't stand the fact to see his dad beat on his mother, and they were drunk every day. So he ran away from home, being five miles away from Venezuela. He hopped on a boat, went over to South America, and started hitchhiking, and he tried to run as far away uh, from home as possible. And one day he ended up in the Amazon River in the middle of a storm. And he, as a Hindu boy, he tried praying every prayer he knew. And he started calling on every god that he could think of. Because in the Hindu religion, there are 33 million gods and counting. Because if you wanted to, you could become a god as well. And um, he started praying. He started chanting all the prayers. Nothing happened. And then something told him, you know about a guy named Jesus who could probably calm a storm. And he said, Jesus, if you were real, I need your help, and I need it now. And that storm died immediately. Immediately. And um, his visit to South America was cut short. He got deported back to Trinidad and Tobago. And um, playing cricket one day, do you guys know what cricket is? I play cricket a lot, right? Last time we watched football, it was okay. Football is (laughs) okay. Cricket is awesome. Alright <laughs> let me be careful, okay? I'm gonna be careful. Alright, so um so one day he was playing cricket, um and the sun went down and he just laid down in the savannah in the grass because he didn't want to go back home and heard some singing out in the open air. He followed the songs, came to a little church, and um and he saw, pardon my expression, he saw a huge white guy behind the pulpit getting ready to preach a message. Right? So he sat down. He was curious. This guy looked strange. You know, so he sat down, took in the message, and that guy from West Virginia spoke about a guy who ran away from home, the prodigal son, and everything just ministered straight to his heart. And right there in that service, about 20-something years of age, my dad gave his heart to Christ right there. And I say thank you. I say thank you because of what you do for the gospel um, you might not be the one going, but you guys do a lot. You send, and you, you believe in God, and you do a lot for the gospel, and I'm here to say thank you. And um, I'm here on this stage. I could have been one of those guys who are praying to 33 million plus gods, but I'm here, and I know that there is just one God, and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen? And thank you guys for that. Thank you, guys. Now, like I said, I'm going to read from the Bible a little bit. And um, I'm reading from Acts chapter 4, verse 31. And I'm going to go ahead and read it here. It says, And when they had prayed, this is talking about the church in those days, the early church. When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered in together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. And um, as I read, you're going to realize that this church had it going, right? You're going to hear certain things that this church did that was just a great example for any church today. This is the early church. This is the church that started it all. We have a lot to pay tribute to this church because we are still serving God. And listen to this. Now, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and they were of one soul. No one said that anything that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. I mean, that is just talking about unity. That church had great unity. A great church, and let me tell you something, a a great church is not measured by anything we could think of. It's not measured by numbers in your building. It's not measured by the amount of money you have in a bank account. It's not measured like that at all. God is the true evaluator of a church. And come judgment, we're going to be surprised. Amen? And a great church, these are some signs of a great church. Um, They have great unity. A great church, they are unified. Look at that. Um, They were one heart, one soul. Uh, No one said that anything that was his was his. But they had everything in common. A great church has great generosity with each other. And it goes on to say this, and with great power the apostles were given their testimony to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They were speaking the word of God, and great grace was upon all of them. There was not a needy person among them. Imagine that. It's right here. There was not a needy person among them, uh, so many of them that were owners of land or houses, they sold them, they brought it in, uh, and the proceeds that were sold, they laid it at the apostles' feet, And it was distributed to anyone that had need. You talk about a a great church. They conducted their business. They they brought monies into the house of God. They laid it at the man of God, and and made sure that everyone in that church was taken care of. And um, what a great example right here. And let me just say, a great church has great trust in their leadership. They brought the monies and laid it at the man of God's feet. Uh, And that's that's trust. That's trust in in, in leadership. But what I want to talk about here is just one part that said um, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. I didn't mention, but a great church prays together. That's the very first thing they said when they prayed. The place was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they continued to speak the word of God with. Do you remember what it said? With boldness. To me, that's very important. Boldness. And um, I'm not an American. I love America. I love it. Great country. You guys do so much for other people. You're like a big brother to any anyone. I mean, we have a bunch of Muslims in Trinidad. Um, they tried to take over the government in 1990. They went into the parliament where they were meeting all the leaders. They pulled out guns. They shot our prime minister. They said, I want you to sign this document and turn the country over to my command. This is the Muslim over there. And within 24 hours, the U.S. had warships all over our country, and they were ready to get inside (laughs) there. And those guys, when they realized the U.S. has Trinidad's back, they said, okay, here's another paper. (laughs) I want you to sign this, and you're giving me amnesty for everything I just did true story, and those guys are free, and they, they walk around. I mean, it, it happened in, in Trinidad. That is just to tell you, you know, the level you guys make. You look out for people. It's just in your blood, you know, and then it's the same thing with what you do for the gospel. You look out for people. You make sure that you're doing your part, and um, you know, in traveling the U.S., I've been traveling the U.S. with my family, and then by myself with my family now for 20 years, and I have probably been to more churches than you guys, right? Different churches I'm talking about. I am talking hundreds upon hundreds of different churches. And you, you get to meet the best people in the world, right? And then, you know, but, you know, as, as I went on, I saw a few things that is happening to the church and to Christianity in a whole, um, to the American people that I think is a little dangerous. And you guys know it too but I'm not from the U.S., so I'm going to say what I have to say, and I'm going to go back to Trinidad, <laughs> all right? So, listen. <laughs> uh, now, when I say these things, this is not a course, I'm not saying to any certain individual inside here, but this is what I, I've witnessed, all right? You guys do so much for God, so much for the gospel, the devil doesn't like it, and he's, he's behind you guys. He's, he's, uh, he's after you guys. America is under a heavy attack, and he's not after your money. Uh, the very first thing I hear um, on you know, the news uh, 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 about America is that this might be another depression. Or, you know, or our, our wallets, hold on tight, here comes something, you know. And the devil is not behind your money, right? As good as that might be for him, but he is behind, he wants you guys to shut up and stop talking about Jesus, this Jesus thing is just getting far overboard, and it's annoying. The devil thinks it's annoying. He wants you to shut up, and he wants you to stop it. All right? And start to say, it's working. He has some people down already, and he wouldn't stop until everyone just gets quiet. I think he has it. I mean, in Trinidad, if you wanted to go in a school and preach a message and ask kids to come up and receive Jesus, you can do that. And people do that all the time. People do it all the time. And I tell you what, you may not believe this, but listen to what I'm going to say. That Michigan team that had a VBS, they had about eight kids in the VBS. Eight kids. And um, all the boys, my dad and my uncle and my, my not another uncle, all those boys that was inside there, seven boys and one girl, they all are today all played a very important part in a church. They were all pastors, and one, uh, an uncle, I can think about, he was a deacon in a church. They all became pastors, and this is, I am talking about at a very early age, that VBS, I don't know what happened with their lives in between that, but when they were older, they all became pastors, and there was a girl, and that one girl became, she had a very nice job in the ministry of education, And she was one of those people that encouraged that you could have religious instructions as a a subject in school. Now, you could go in and teach any religion, any religion, but there is, is an opportunity now because of a girl that you could go in and teach about Christ. And people are giving their hearts to Christ. Our church, our youth ministry, they just did about two years ago a huge tour around the country visiting schools. And for the year... They had about 2,000 young people in schools give their heart to Christ on record. Imagine that. And here, here in the US, no way, buddy, no way. You don't do that. Right? And, and you don't do it. And I, I just came from Houston and they were talking about, you know, this, this a senator or someone try to get those pastors to, to be a little quiet or or, or or submit their messages or something like that. And it's crazy what's going on in the U.S. It's crazy. I mean, is this the America that came and shared the gospel to my country and told us that Jesus Christ is Lord and there's no other God? Is this the same America? I mean, and I'm looking, I mean, and I said um, earlier, I went to a a church in Pennsylvania, a pastor there, their denomination was facing a, a little situation, where they had to make a decision, is it time to allow homosexuality? Is it time to accept that, um, that lifestyle? You know, is it sin or is it not sin? And I heard that pastor asked my uncle, my uncle went to preach a message, and I played the steel drums, and I heard the pastor asking um, my uncle some advice on that topic. And I was there, just a little guy. I don't get in their business. They're talking. They're big guys. I'm just there. And I heard that, and I got scared. You know, because I, am I hearing right? You know, am I really hearing what I'm hearing? And I got scared. And then um, I went to a college, a Bible college in Ohio, and I met some great students. And I, I started speaking to them, and I said, you know, um, homosexuality is something that is wrong. And I went on to speak about it, and a couple of girls got up, and they left, and they had the worst things to say about me. And, um, and I was just thinking, wow, in a Christian college, here are some people that are not going to agree with me on this issue. Right. And I was thinking, wow, wow, um, our kids, these, these kids are going to be the ones um, you know, who, who get the responsibility to share the gospel to others. And, and, and the devil is trying to sneak in anywhere that he gets a little chance. Anywhere he gets a chance, he wants to sneak in there and do as much damage as possible. And, you know, what am I trying to say? What am I trying to say? I'm not here to tell you guys that, um, that you guys are doing bad or anything like that. That's not what I'm here. But I want to share something with you. You know, I grew up in Trinidad, and where I lived, every single morning when I got up to go to school, I witnessed two things, all right? One thing I witnessed is my neighbor to the left, um, um, a, a guy who lived there, the son of the home, the parents and a boy, he was a little older than me, and every single morning, we wear school uniform in Trinidad, and when I, and I got out, and I would wait on my dad to bring the car out, and eight kids, you know, or oh, how many of us were going to school at the time, we would just jump in the car, and we would all go to school, uh, he had a station wagon, about four of us in the back, you know, in the, in the wagon park. And four in the front seat. And we would just squeeze up there and get ready to go to school. And, you know, while we were all waiting on the road for dad to bring the car out of the garage, I saw my neighbor, that guy, taking his breakfast and leaving it by an idol on the ground. Uh, A Hindu idol, a Hindu god, a stone idol made out of hands. And he would leave his breakfast on the ground. And he was saying to that idol, this is a sacrifice. I'm not having breakfast today. This is for you. That's my way of praising and worshiping you. And I saw that every single morning, right? And then the uh, another neighbor over the road, there was a Hindu, uh, a Muslim guy, and he had a, a boy and he had a girl and he had a wife. I saw him over his period of time, um, during the time he lived, I saw him with three different wives at the same time, right? And um, I they, they tried um, having a family they would just argue every morning. He was drunk, and he would beat on his son sometimes. The son told me once, you know, your dad is such a cool guy uh, because he tells you um, he loves you. I've never heard my dad told me that, you know. And one day, the girl, she's much older than me. She came over to our church. She gave her heart to Christ, went back home. We never saw her in church after that. And she would she one day she snuck out of her house, came over by us, and she said, "I'm sorry, but I can't come back to church anymore." And she snuck back in her house very quickly. and I don't know what was the reasoning behind that, you know, but I saw these things happening in, in Trinidad and a lot of different other stories. you know in Trinidad, um, th- the, the Muslims they, they try to be radical, they take example by some of their brothers and um, but persecution in Trinidad comes most, you get persecuted the most from your family. If if your family is of a certain religion and, and you give your heart to Jesus Christ, they disown you uh, and they don't like it uh, and you get a lot of persecution that way. And um, what am I saying? You know, you know, thank you for what you do. But it's very sad for me to see uh, a, a Hindu guy give his breakfast as a sacrifice looking at that i mean i didn't grow up like that and i'm so thankful it was just that close for that being me as well you know and thank you guys thank you for what you do but it's really sad to see these people worship this way because i know that they're in darkness right and i know that they're in darkness sad to see this muslim family try to get it all together and they can't because they don't have a proper foundation Because their foundation was built on darkness. And um, it's sad to see people live in darkness. But I tell you what, when I come to the U.S., and um, I've stayed with a a guy from a church, and uh, we talked all night long, and when it was about 1 a.m., his son came home from somewhere, I don't know. The son was about 15 years old, and the dad said, where were you, son? And the guy said, I don't want to talk about it, and I went in his room. And and this is a, a, a father going to church, his son started going to church, and somewhere he slipped away. And I see these things happening, and it saddens me even more than when I see a Hindu boy worship idols. I'll tell you why. Because you guys know about Jesus. You, you guys taught, your, uh, your parents taught you, you're teaching your kids, um, you have great examples all over the country. You guys are known as a Christian nation, And you got this is the great America. And I don't care what you're known for, for being great. But if you disown Jesus Christ, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You are missing out on the best thing in life. You're missing out on the best thing in life. And as sad as what I see going on, it's the saddest thing to see people who know about Jesus turn their backs on him. And if you get anything from what I am saying this morning is this. You just thank God that you know him, and you continue, and you continue to speak the word of God with boldness, because you guys know it. I know you know it. There is a huge move on America to stay silent about Jesus Christ, and I am just here to say, nobody, don't do that, because what you did for me, and if it's just me, I am grateful. What you did for me, it's worth it to be bold about this Jesus Christ. Amen. And I'm just here to say, stay bold, (laughs) stay bold and keep talking about Jesus. That's all I'm going to say. Pastor, I'm done. I'm going to ask Joe to come up. We're going to do one more song and this song is called, How Great Is Our God?